Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. breaks your heart and causes you to be the hands and feet of Christ? What is it that breaks your heart and causes you to be the hands and feet of Christ? What is that thing that causes you to get up and make a difference? I'm not talking about your job. You have to do that. You need to pay somebody some bills. I get that. But what is that thing that causes you to give your best of you? your talent, your resources, your gifts. What is that thing? And for Janine, it was remedy. It was, it was her seeing these sisters come out of this abusive relationship uh, where they were trafficked for sex, where they were sold for sex. It was, it was seeing the plight of these sisters that moved her to start an organization to help them. For Dr. Martin Luther King, it was the injustices of, 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 of people who, who are African-American. It was the injustices for poor people. It wasn't just black people. It was also for poor people and people who were denied uh, 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 equal rights with working and stuff. For many people, they're moving. And my question to you all is, what is that thing that God has, has in you that burdens you, causes you to do something to represent him with your life? Today, I want to talk about getting dirty in the same way that Jesus got dirty. And, and, and so, so what I want to talk with you about today is how we can truly be his hands and feet. As we lead up to Easter, many people are talking about so many different parts of the ministry of Jesus, but I want to focus on the dirt of his life and the importance of it, the dirt of his life. The scripture reading this day is coming from Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. We find these words. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. One of the focuses I want to focus on is what Jesus did, not what he said. If we look at Scripture from Matthew 8, verse 1, all the way through Matthew 9, verse 34, we find the power of God reaching people who had been excluded from the blessing of God. The Gentiles, lepers, blind people, sick women, demoniacs, those are demon-possessed people, tax collectors, etc. 
we find in these two chapters what was normally not accessible to most people becomes available. We find Jesus intentionally performing miracles to people who were considered outsiders, outcasts, not inclusive. Today, what I want to share with you is what it means to get dirty. First note, getting dirty is risky. Getting dirty is risky. When you decide to follow Jesus and live out the Great Commission, you decide to get dirty. And in getting dirty, you're deciding to take risks. Watch this. Matthew 8, 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Let me explain leprosy. If particularly during this time, you had this dreadful disease called leprosy, you had one of the worst diseases known to man at that time. As a matter of fact, it was, it was more than just a physical ailment. If it was obvious that you had leprosy, you were banished, not because it was just contagious, but because you got leprosy because apparently you did something wrong or somebody in your family did something wrong, so you're cursed because of it. Now, this man... With leprosy, we don't know his story. So since we don't know his story, let me paint one to just kind of make it personal. Imagine, if you will, a regular man with a nine-to-five job. Perhaps he owned a bakery. And all of a sudden, he, he's making good money at his bakery. He's doing very well for himself at his bakery. He leaves his wonderful business of the bakery and goes home to his family. He kisses his wife and he kisses his children and he says his prayers with his children. And after dinner and after, they're put off, after everybody's gone to bed, he washes his hand and then he notices blood in the sink. Why is there blood? So he's looking around, his nose is not bleeding, it's coming from his hands. His pores are opening up because he now has this dreadful disease of leprosy. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my business now. Oh my God, they are going to kick me out of my community because there is no cure for this dreadful disease of leprosy. And so his wife says, husband, let's go to the priest. He goes to the priest, and the priest says, yes, you do have leprosy. So we have to remove you from this community. We have to remove you from your bakery. We have to remove you from your wife and your kids. Yeah, you won't kiss them until we can find a cure for this thing called leprosy. And so the man is ostracized, and he lives in a community of other people just like him with this dreadful disease of leprosy. Years go by without a single touch. No longer can he kiss his wife and kids. Years go by, and each year that goes by, he just sits and imagines himself kissing his children, hugging his wife, snuggling up with his children, doing all those things that required a touch. But he can't have it anymore because of leprosy. And the whole time he's cursing God and wondering, God, why me? Why me? Why take my family away from me? Why ostracize me? Why 
me. But oh, one day, there was news of a prophet that was in the area, and he was known for healing people that had this disease. There was a prophet in the area that was restoring sight to blind people. Uh, There was a prophet in the area that had a history of making even lame people walk again. And this man is saying to himself, if I could just get close enough to him. And this leper finds himself near Jesus, the prophet. And he's coming. And he says, if you will, if he finds his way through the crowd, he gets through the crowd and he realizes if I don't get to Jesus before he gets to that gate, my one opportunity is gone. I'm going to bust through the crowd. I'm going to push my way through. And he gets there right before Jesus gets to the gate. And he says, if you are willing, you can heal me. Now, Jesus has to make a decision because we know Jesus, right? Right? He, he's infamous. He could say, hey, I need healing. Cool. Bow. Zap, you're healed. He could, like, throw it healing at him. He could whisper healing, you're healed. He could have sent one of the disciples, yo, tell you what, I'm an, I've anointed you, you go touch him. You, you, I'm not touching him. Not our Jesus. Not our Jesus. Jesus said, I am willing. I am willing. And he embraced him. And in that embrace, watch this. This is where it really happened. Oh, man, he got dirty with him. This is where it really happened. In that embrace, he just knocked down a barrier. He didn't heal him of his sickness. He healed him of what he thought he was sick about. He healed him of thinking that you are isolated because of your sins. People weren't looking at him because of, because of his wounds, because of his open leprosy. People looked at him like, you have leprosy because you're a sinner. And Jesus says, I'm going to change that. Look at me, y'all. Look how I'm holding him with his open wounds. He probably hadn't felt this touch in so long. He's been ostracized away from his wife and his children for so long. He had imagined and and fantasized and just held on to memories of what it was like to hold his wife at night or embrace her as soon as he came in the door from working at his bakery. And here it is. God in that instant restored it. He restored it in that instant. Regardless of your situation, the world may say you are stained. You're a leprosite because of your sin. But Jesus says, now, baby, I got you. You are healed. I don't care what the world says. And because of this, now you are no longer separated from everybody else. Now go to the priests and show them what has happened. Don't tell anybody about it. Don't tell them it was all, you know, I did this, you know. People know what I do. Don't, don't brag about it. Just go and show the priest that you were healed. Go. And I imagine that he did that. He ran to, I imagine this guy. This is just me. This is me paraphrasing. This is not biblical. So don't accuse me of, of, of you know, messing up scripture or heresy or anything like that. This is just me imagining this, okay, because we have imaginations. I imagine that this dude instantly because the bible says he was instantly cured of leprosy so obviously the wounds went away right once the wounds went away every stain every title everything that the world said against him was also gone i imagine he took off running like carl lewis or somebody to get to the priest yo check me out i, I know on the records they say i got leprosy but check me out check me out he took all his clothes off check me out I, i'm good right i'm good right i can go and then ran to his wife 
And can you imagine what his family did when they saw him again for the first time? Like, is it really you? I bet you his skin was so beautiful and clean and without one blemish on it. All because he was embraced by our Savior. In the same way, each and every one of us has a similar story. Our wounds aren't so visible on our skin, but they certainly are eternal. And so the minute we accepted Christ into our life, those wounds were instantly gone. So your neighbor can look at you and say, oh, man, you look like you got a good life. You got a good car. You got a great job. You got benefits. You got all this stuff. But they don't know what you went through to get to that stuff. I was telling somebody the other day while we were working out, when we work out, there's this crazy song that comes on, talk about, now let me take a selfie, right? And so, y'all know the song. Y'all know the song. Okay. So, so, so the song said, let me take a selfie. And I'm saying to myself, I'm, 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 listen, I'm Mr. Instagram. I'm on there all the time looking because as I look on there, I see all of these people with not, man, six packs is old school. They done jumped up to eight packs and more on the abs now. So I'm like, I really got to step my game up, James, you know, six packs is old news. That's like last year. So I'm like, I'm looking at these people and part of me is like, wow, man, I wish you know, what are they doing or what are they eating to get that? What are they taking to do that? And so I want that. You know, and I'm telling Tia, listen, I'm going to increase my workout to, to five days. And by the end of the year, I'll probably be at seven days of working out. I don't know. But I'm looking at Instagram and I'm saying, wow, how amazing. But here's the thing. I don't know their backstory. Huh? I, I don't know their backstory because as I look at that, I'm just like, wow, they look amazing. They, they're doing something, but I don't know what they used to look like. Perhaps they had an eating disorder but uh, prior to, to the eight-pack being formed. Uh, uh, or, or check this out. I saw one, and this is funny. There's a, another hashtag that happens. It's called a belfie. And I shared with you all before what a belfie is, right? Well, the belfie is it's like, oh, my goodness. I checked the hashtag post belfie. There were, as of yesterday, like 8 million people that used that hashtag on Instagram. And the belfie is when you take a picture of your booty. That's the belfie. So you... Look at my booty. And so what I, I'm serious. Look at people looking like, huh? That's 8 million people posting belfies. You look at, you see a whole bunch of belfies. And so anyway, so I look at, at those. I said, well, let me see what they talk about there. So you got some guys showing their eight, almost 10 like packs or whatever. Eventually it'd be 12 packs. I'm, I don't know how you get that many muscles in your abs. Somebody will explain it to me. But nonetheless, so I'm looking and so then I say, okay, now I can see before and after. I can see the flat booty girls with the big booty now, you know, because they've been doing squats, you know, the before and afters. But you don't know what the before shot is. You don't know what they had to go through to get that. You don't know what they had to go through to get the J-Lo, right? I don't know what so-and-so had to go through to get the 12-pack the or the 8-pack. I love the before and after shots because I get to see they went through something. They weren't always Mr. Wonderful or Mrs. Wonderful. They were somebody else. And the thing is, a lot of us, we look at so many people, and we're only seeing their highlight reel, right? We only get to see their highlight reel. This, this is like, you know, how many, time, how many shots did they take before they posted their best shot? Huh? That, like, that's me, you know. I, you know, I take a shot, like, oh, man, you can, see, you can see the mic in the background. Let me move the mic, all right. And, oh, man, you can see, you know, you want your perfect shot because you don't know what the backstory is. They're posting their very best up front. And we are guilty of the same thing. But the truth is, we all have leprosite scars that still remain, that are just not visible to the human eye. But because we've been embraced by a Savior, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. You got to get dirty so you can get clean. 
Somebody get that this morning. You got to get dirty in order to get clean. Getting dirty and taking these risks means it's better for you than it is for those people that you're helping. Here's the second thing I want to share with you about getting dirty. Getting dirty is risky. Say that with me. Getting dirty is risky. Second thing is getting dirty requires you to get off your donkey. I was going to use the King James Version, but y'all wouldn't have got that. Come on. (laughs) Real talk. Getting dirty requires you to get off your donkey. Get off your donkey. There's a story in the Bible, one of my favorite and most well-known parables is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I know you are all familiar with it. But if you permit me, I'd like to read this to you, and then we'll talk a little bit about what it requires for you to get off of your donkey. Luke 10, beginning at verse uh, 30, says this. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the next, I'll pay the next time I'm here. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. This is, this is where it's good. Then a despised American, I mean Samaritan, came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He got off his donkey. They should have put that there. He didn't. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them up. I'm reading a little bit into this, I'll admit. But the fact that the man that the Bible says, the writer wrote, that this Samaritan grabbed this person in this parable and put them on their donkey, that means he gave up his seat. That means he obviously came in on a donkey, not a, not, not a Mercedes or anything like that. He came in on his donkey. He got off of his donkey to help them. Here's my favorite part of this, of this parable, the intro. The intro, why? Watch this. Jewish replied with a story. A Jewish man, a Jewish man was traveling. Why is that important? Well, let's talk about the audience he was speaking to. Jesus, at this time, he had just been challenged by this group of Jewish religious leaders who wanted to trump him up about what is the greatest commandment. Jesus shared with them the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. He shares this with them. And and so the guy is getting all wise. Well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jewish, I mean, Jesus, who is so intelligent and so incredible, he's like, okay, 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 let me just just put egg on your face real quick because you want to be all smart. 
let me tell you a story. And I can imagine as Jesus is telling this story, these religious leaders are sitting there frowning up. And Jesus says, a Jewish man, somebody that looks just like you, is walking. Some of your own leaders pass him by. But the people you hate the most, the Samaritans, gets off of his donkey, helps him out, pays for the man's care, comes back to make sure he's okay. You tell me who is right and who's wrong. Pharisee's like, okay, I get it. And Jesus says, now you go and do the same. Here's the part I want to focus on in this. Get off of your donkey. It requires you to not just help the least of these, but don't just help people that look like you. Oh, I could have got an amen on that one, that one. Don't just help people that look like you. When I mentioned to you about these invitations right here, I was intentional about it. Don't just hand it out to your friends because we'd have a whole room full of people that look like you. Chances are we'll have a whole bunch of people that know something about Jesus. But if you're intentional about handing this out to somebody who don't even look like they've ever been into a church, if you hand this out to somebody whose skin color is not like yours, if you hand this out to somebody who doesn't have the same economic status that you have, if you're intentional about handing this out to somebody who doesn't look or act or live by you, then I think that we will be honoring Jesus on this Easter. That's getting off of your donkey. It's so easy to help and invite people that look like us. They're the closest to us. It makes it so easy to have a conversation with them. But speak to somebody who don't look like you. Speak to somebody you know that hates you. You know they don't like you. Invite somebody that, that, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is the biggest sinner in, your, in, the, in the world in your eyes. I dare you to have the audacity and, and courage to speak to them and say, join us on Easter. Woo! That's scary, isn't it? Because you already know they're going to say no. You already know it. But you could be just like that video. Huh? Just like the video we showed before service. They made the invitation and they said, yeah, and you'd be sitting there with your mouth open. Like, oh, are, are you going to come for real? Uh, 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 want me to pick you up? You'd be shocked because you already knew they were going to say no. But when you put God first and you are intentional about trying to honor him with whatever you're doing, whether it's extending an invitation, whether it's sharing the gospel, where it's offering prayer, whatever it is, if you put him first and make sure that he gets the glory, I guarantee that courage that you so lack right now will fill you up from the top, all, from the bottom all the way up to the top. God ain't going to leave you out there hanging. He promised to be with us always, and you're doing something to glorify him. But in order to do that, you got to get off your donkey. And I mean that literally and figuratively. We've gotten to a point, church, where we got to a place where we want to pray about everything, but don't do anything. Oh, I'm going I'm I'm to pray for you. Uh, uh, you know, brother, the other day I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he was saying, man, I just need to get some rest Brother, I'm just tired. You know, this Easter season's coming up, and I just don't have the energy, and I wish that God would send some people that, that could speak on my behalf, qualified people that could speak. I'm just worn out. And, and I was like, all right, cool. Let's pray about it. He's like, all right, cool. Well, I'll talk to you. I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, like right now. 
This is a pastor. I'm like, right now. Like, like, right, right now. Like, right now, right here. I don't care who's looking. Maybe that person that's watching us pray needs some of this. Let's just hope that what we pray about extends. Let me tell you what happened. So we pray, we talk, we do our thing. Then the guy who's sitting there comes over. He's looking for a church home. And I said, daggone it, these hadn't come in the mail yet. So I was waiting. This was like Tuesday or Wednesday when it happened. I was like, ah, I wish I had these. So I just gave him my card. I says, call me. We'd love for you to come. But he came over because he saw us praying. And I says, well, brother, how can I pray for you? I'm just trying to find my way. I'm just, I'm, 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 I haven't been to church in a long time. I felt some type of way about church. I said, well, let's talk about it. And we talked briefly, Starbucks, right there on East West Connector. That's my office. I'm there all the time. And we talked briefly about it. And then I said, well, let me pray for you. Right there. Right there. I don't care who sees. I want people to see because I want people to come out of their chair and say, you know what? I need prayer too. I can, listen, this is crazy, but y'all know how I think. I imagine one day, I fantasize about it, to be honest with you. I imagine one day I pray for somebody and all of a sudden we start a revival in Starbucks. Huh? I'm dead serious. I'd be like, I'm, I imagine like, yeah, you know, in the name of Jesus, God bless you. And then I, I open my eyes and there's a line of people that want prayer. And then the person I just prayed for, they, they lock hands and we all lock arms and we all praying for everybody. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the gas station next door or the, the car repair shop next door, they come over. Man, they praying over there. A revival started happening. And then all of a sudden, Dorothy show up singing, right? Her and Elizabeth and, huh? Okay, all right. I, I went too deep. <laughs> I, it's okay to fantasize, right? But I believe it can happen. I really do. I believe it because there was a time where stuff like that just happened. You know, y'all talk about the jump off. You know, parties can happen like that. Why can't praise parties happen like that? Why can't revivals happen like that? Huh? You get two or three people together with some Alizé. Yo, ho, we turned up. Let's get turned up for Jesus. Come on. What's up? I dare you to do that. Let's get turned up for the right thing. Come on now. Cool. Man, I imagine that one day it's going to happen. I'm going to keep doing it. Y'all help me. Y'all just start praying for people in the checkout line and stuff. Girl, let me pray for you. You know, just start doing it. Grab the olive oil, right? Imagine that in Publix, right? Huh? Y'all just start something and then somebody go grab the bread, start breaking it for communion right in the church, right in the doggone Publix. Somebody go grab some, go girl, go get some olive oil in aisle five, right? And y'all crack open the olive oil, y'all blessing people with oil. Can you imagine it? Oh my goodness. Ooh, Lord. Okay, God, why you give me this imagination? I get beside myself. Repeat this after me, all right? <laughs> Getting dirty is risky. Getting dirty requires you to get off your donkey. Getting dirty fills in the gap. Getting dirty fills in the gap. Life as we know it today is full of gaps. And what I mean by gaps, the gaps are those things of their space that separates people. There's a gap here. There's a, 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 which we call an aisle, and there's a, Group of chairs here, group of chairs there. There are gaps everywhere. But if we look in our lives, there are gaps every day, right? There, there, there are us versus them. Maybe not y'all, but y'all know what I'm talking about. There are the saved folk and the unsaved folk, the sinners, the heathens. There, 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 there's the heterosexuals and the homosexuals. There's the blacks, the whites, and the Latinos. There's the Asians, and we all are separated. Uh, there's a problem still today where on Sunday morning, 
At 11 o'clock, it's still the most segregated hour in this country. That's still a problem. It's getting better, but it's still a problem. There are a whole bunch of gaps. There's a gap between the, the haves and the have-nots. There's a, a gap between the rich and the, and the poor. There's a gap between the educated and uneducated. There's so many gaps, but when you get dirty, you fill in the gaps. If I look at the ministry of, of Jesus who loved to play in dirt, if I may say that, uh, I got proof of that. Uh, he, he, there was a man who had a, 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 an ailment and Jesus spit in the mud and grabbed it and healed them. Okay, that's dirt. Okay, uh, there was another time where they were getting ready to stone a, a woman who had been accused of adultery. And what did Jesus do? He didn't just offer the thing. He started playing in the Talk back to me now. He started planning a... Right, right. As I, as I look at that, Jesus was intentional about being in the dirt. And then there's one time he was trying to give an example of what it means to be a, a, a radical type of leader and, and, and what it means to be a servant leader. And so he knelt down and, and, and put on this thing and he started washing uh, his disciples' feet. And on the feet there was... So our Jesus loved to play in dirt, literally, but he also did it figuratively. If I look at the people who he associated with most, they were all outcasts. If I look at just the 12 disciples, the tax collector who was the most shamed and ridiculed man, that was one of his homeboys. When I, when I, when I look at the people who were some of his uh, followers, there was a prostitute in there somewhere. When I look at the people who, 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 who he blessed and who he healed, he always was intentional about healing and hanging out with those people who were considered outcasts. He hung out with dirty people. He filled in the gaps. And for a long time, uh, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. But, but, but when he used a story like the parable I just shared with you, he fixed the gap. Uh, when he walked through Samaria and met the woman at the well, well, in case you didn't know, most religious leaders refused to even go that route. Uh, that route, they would go another way, and it would take them even longer to get to their destination because they weren't going through such a dreaded place. But Jesus intentionally said, I'm going to go here, the dirtiest place, and get me a sip of water. And while I'm there, I'm going to talk to this woman who's at the well, and I'm going to offer what I, what's available to everybody else to her because I'm filling in a gap. She didn't even realize it. She even asked him, sir, you are Jewish. What are you doing here? I'm paraphrasing when I say that. And he's like, why, why can't I come? How can you speak into my life? You're Jewish. You, you, uh, uh, you know, historically, we're not supposed to get along. He filled in the gap. And when he did that, she went and told the story about how he knew her business. Jesus was intentional about filling in the gaps. And I believe that it's so important to him that we do the same or else he wouldn't have shared such stories. We have to be intentional about filling in the gaps. And this is why I said earlier, when we invite certain people to this church, they can't look like us all the time. I know if I ask right now, how many of you know your neighbors? Just about almost all the hands will go up, right? Yeah, all your hands will go up. I know my neighbors, we break bread and we're cool and all of that stuff. But invite them to your church, even if they don't look like you. Even, I dare you, some of you, you, you African-American folk here, I dare you to invite somebody 
uh, with a rebel flag to your church today? Huh? There's a, I promise you, there's a guy right around the corner. I, I actually drop off, uh, we have a food pantry here, and I do the deliveries for the food pantry. And I actually deliver to the house across the street from the, 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 the house with the big uh, rebel flag. And God just keeps pressing me, go knock on the door. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> God, you just, you want to, you just, yeah, you're going you gonna to do that, right? And so then I even threw it back at God. I says, man, okay, he's got the big rebel flag, man. I mean, I knock on his door. I mean, he, he, he might not even answer. He might answer, boom, Trayvon and all that. I'm just thinking all of these things. And I'm just like, God's like, I got you. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is kind of deep, God. No. So uh, hopefully, I, I think uh, we serve on the third, <laughs> the third Tuesday of each month. I make the deliveries, and uh, y'all pray for me, because I'm gonna knock. I might knock and run, but I'm gonna knock. God can't say I wasn't obedient. I might, and just leave a card at the door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, he can't say I didn't listen to him. I did it. I, I did my piece. I spoke to them. I want to share something with you all, and then I'm going to read something. Last Sunday, and they're not here. I wish they were here today. Last Sunday, I, Jasmine and Alex were really touched by what I said about, you know, and I asked the question, what breaks your heart and causes you to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? What breaks your heart and causes you to respond in such a radical way? I got a call. Last week, as soon as I left here, I had to go do a wedding. And I got a call. I got a couple calls from Jasmine. I was like, I hope they're all right. So I, finally, after the wedding, I responded to her. And she really just had a question that was pressing her. She says, Pastor B, there's this family, this couple on the side of the road that need help. And she said, I, I had $40, but I left it at home. And I was going to give that to Remedy Georgia. But this family... They, they just kept calling me. So me and Alex pulled over, and we went to talk to them. And so they went to talk to them, and people were driving by this family saying, oh, they're, they're uh, what did they say, they're, they're thieves or they're, they're crooks or something, they're scammers. Yeah, they were saying all of this stuff about them. And, uh, you know, and so that's playing in Jasmine's ear. And so she's like, well, I got to help them. I got to help them and this and that. And so she just was really struggling with that. And she says, they need $35. I have 40 that I was going to give to something else. I'm conflicted. Pastor B, what should I do? I says, I think, I think you know what to do. God has already burdened you because you stopped in the first place. You went over there and spoke to them regardless of what you heard others saying. He already placed it on your heart and broke your heart to respond to their need. So be obedient and give. Yeah, but what if it's true that they're crooks? Then let God worry about that. You respond to what he's telling you to do. His rep is on the line, not yours. And if he's put a burden on you to give, then do that. So they gave. And in giving, they were able to sit there and minister with this couple. And here's the part that broke my heart. And this has been my biggest cause for the church. This couple told Jasmine and Alex that they had gone to over 30 different churches seeking assistance. Now, our economy is pretty bad right now. I wouldn't be surprised if I might need a hand up sometime. That's just where we're at. It's a tough economy. 
for the first time in like three years, my wife and I have health insurance again. And I, I, hey, listen, I praise God for our president, you know. Some people don't like it, but my family's insured, so you fix your own moral problems. But at the end of the day, I'm grateful for that. And here it is, this family needed a hand up. And the first place they know to go to is the local church. And the local church doesn't help. The local church said no. 30 different times. And it bothers me because I hear this often. There was a time when the local church, listen, you didn't need the government. You knew to go to the local church for healing. You knew to go to the local church if you were hungry. You knew to go to the local church if you were homeless. You knew to go to the local church if your kid was acting up. The local church was the saving grace of the local community, but now we've become institutionalized. We've become not Christianity, but churchianity. And it bothers me to no end. We want to remain clean. We got these big, huge edifices, these buildings, these palaces, millions of dollars. But when the storm came, not one doggone door was open. That's a problem on my watch. I don't care about the bills we got to pay for the building. But if I can't serve my community with it, then it's just for show. And that bothers me. And I know that Jesus is like, daggone it, you missed it. Daggone it, you missed it. There's a reason why the local church is always in the news for negative stuff, because we missed it. And I'll be doggone if this church, this community right here of believers doesn't get out there and roll up our doggone sleeves and get dirty and get muddy for our local community. We have service in a school where there's a number of children that are homeless. We have service in a school where there are some kids that may not finish school this year because they can't read. And we got folk in here that can read. We got educators in this doggone building. That's a problem with me. It's a huge problem. And I'm determined to change whatever anyone feels about the local church. Because not for me, but for God. Because I know I gave my life for a reason to serve Christ. Because I believe in the local church. And we got to get it right. That bothered me when she said that. And here's the thing, what I know. There's a family here. They're not here today. Uh, Lord have mercy. Uh, uh, Omar. You know how many times... He turned to a church for help, and they took advantage of him numerous times. That's why he stopped believing in the church. That's why he gave up on church. But, oh, baby, he found his way to this place right here called Mosaic Church. He found this place where there are people just as broken and flawed as he is that says, hey, brother, we want to help you. Let me tell you, he don't have a perfect past. He knows that. I'm not telling his business. Most of you know that. When, we came, when he came here, he didn't have ID. When he came here, he didn't have a, a, a pot to pee in, as my grandma would say. When he came here, he didn't have social security number. When he came here, he didn't have a house, a job, or anything. I'm here to tell you today he's not here because he's working at a job at Golden Corral, working 43 hours a week. He's got his ID. He's got his GED. He's on the right way. All it took was one church that really believed in the message of Jesus to say, brother, you can do it, and I will stand with you until it's done. He has changed 
because of you all being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Let me leave this and we'll be done. Worship team, you can get ready. Let me read this and you'll be done. We'll be done. We need to get out of the business of church and get into the business of people, loving people. I want to share this with you. This is from Reggie McNeil, the author of a book entitled Get Off Your Donkey. He says this, rising poverty is not solely the result of failed government programs. It is happening also because the church has refused to be the church Jesus imagined. If kids are not graduating because they can't read, it's not just a failure of our educational system. It is also a failure of the church because our congregations are full of people who can read. In other words, any atrocity that we can see with our own eyes and blame the government for, if we consider ourselves to be part of the church, not Mosaic Church, but God's church, the body of Christ, and and we're not doing anything about it except for praying, then that's a problem. Faith without works is dead and is just lip service. We're at a point right now, my brothers and sisters, where we can't use prayer as a circumstance. We can't use prayer, I'm sorry about that, as a crutch to not do something. In other words, I'll pray about it, but then we sit and do nothing. I'll pray for them, we'll sit and do nothing. Oh, I'll write a check, we'll sit and do nothing. Yeah, your money goes a long way, but your body, your attention, your words go even further. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.